Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Me Undies. I have lots of kinds of underwear in my drawer, but I have to tell you that my favorite kind of underwear is me undies. I love them so much, and Colette, my wife, is so jealous of them that when Mother's Day came up this year and she wanted a variety of different gifts for Mother's Day, one of the things she wanted was some me undies underwear and also their lounge pants. I have a pair of me undies lounge pants, and Colette deserves a super soft, super comfortable pair of Me Undies lounge pants. There are styles for everyone from all black classics to fun, expressive prints, and they come in sizes extra small to 4XL, guaranteeing a flattering cut for everybody. And like I said already, they have unmatched comfort. Their signature fabric is as soft as a warm hug from your favorite sweater. It's also breathable, stretchy, and oh so comfy, making it ideal for all day wear. MeUndies are also responsibly sourced. They use sustainably sourced materials and work with partners that care for their workers. Get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at MeUndies.com slash HPST. That's MeUndies.com slash HPST for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies. Comfort from the outside in. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a mental health platform that provides direct online counseling and therapy services via web or phone text communication. You don't even need to use flu powder in order to access a therapist through BetterHelp. I think we can all tell in book five that if you keep your feelings bottled up, it can start to affect you negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off of your chest if you don't have access to Dumbledore's office. I know in my life, therapy has helped me identify patterns to help me interrupt ones that I don't feel like are healthy and find better ways to cope. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash sacred text today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash sacred text. Hi, Vanessa. Hi, Ariana. Welcome to the Women of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Thank you. I love it here. It's pretty great. Yeah, the music is so good. (laughs) Well, Vanessa, it is your turn to bless a wonderful woman of Harry Potter. Who are you blessing this week? Jenny Weasley. God bless her. I'll love myself some Jenny. I'm going to bless Jenny for something very specific, which we did actually just talk about on our main podcast, but I'm excited to get into a lot more detail here, which is I think that we are in a very exciting moment of retelling old stories about women, retelling them with the women at the center of the story, right? We are retelling the Lorena Bobbitt story, not about her husband and what happened to him, but about her as a domestic violence victim. We're retelling the Bill Clinton-Monica Lewinsky scandal, not as a story of, 
you know, Monica Lewinsky as some like vapid adulteress, but rather as a victim of mass media. We're retelling these stories about women, right? And sometimes it goes well and sometimes it goes really badly. Christina Blasey Ford just had to stand up in front of Congress and retell a terrible story about her life. And it felt like on some levels she was heard and then on other levels she was not heard. And I'm just seeing Ginny in this moment that we just read about in book five in which Harry is worried that he is being possessed by Voldemort. And she says, don't you think you should have asked me about this, the one person you know who's actually been possessed by Voldemort? And Harry says, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. And she says, lucky you. And I think that Ginny can teach us a lot about how beneficial it is when we have women retell their stories and how traumatizing and difficult it is to demand that they retell the stories of the hardest parts of their lives. Yeah, Ginny is so interesting in these books because she has a huge development as a character. She starts as this annoying younger sister who has a huge crush on Harry. Um, She has this huge moment in the second book where we're totally focused on her at the end of the book and the way in which she's possessed and her near death. As we've mentioned, she then disappears and she reappears as this charming, funny object of Harry's desire. I would disagree. I think you missed a step. Really? I think that she reappears as this like fully realized strong woman and then becomes the object of Harry's desire. She's like dating other people. Right. Right. Like she, Harry, it takes a while for her to enter Harry's consciousness in this way. Yeah. Because in the book we're currently in, she is not in that spot. She's just reappeared as like popular, funny Ginny Weasley, who's good at Quidditch and who has friends of her own that aren't the trio, but is still pals with Hermione. And is able to be friends with her former crush, which I think is amazing. Anyway. Yeah. And I I think it's so interesting that you've zoomed in on this moment of retelling and hurt for Ginny, because I think what you're pointing to is, is one of the few moments that we see her reference back to what happened to her in the second book. And I think it's so easy in the later books to forget what happened to her. And I think one of the great gifts in spending some time just focusing on Ginny is thinking about everything that's happened to her and like how that plays into her larger storyline and how she negotiates her sense of self in relationship to that. And I also am beginning to wonder if part of the reason that Ginny sort of disappears for a few books is because after we're done with victims as entertainment fodder, they disappear from our lives for a while, right? Monica Lewinsky was everywhere in the news. And then we didn't think about her for 20 years. And then she reemerged like a phoenix with a TED Talk and an article about bullying. And she was just this fully realized other person to us. And again, Lorena Bobbitt was this joke forever. And for 20 years, we didn't think about her. And she's reemerged as this domestic violence advocate. And what I love about Ginny is that Unlike these characters who for us are just characters in sort of pop culture or in the popular imagination, like for me, the only things I will ever really know Monica Lewinsky, Christine Blasey Ford, 
Anita Hill for are the worst moments in their lives. And Ginny is someone who we know the worst moment in her life. And we get to know all these other things about her. And so I guess I'm blessing Ginny for being an avatar for these other wonderful, strong women and to uh, try to separate their status as victim from all of the other wonderful things that they are. I think that's beautiful. I also wonder, like this is a book from Harry's perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes in the retelling specifically, like you mentioned the Monica Lewinsky story, like how lovely that she went through this terrible thing. And now she's this empowered woman um, who has a TED talk. And like, we don't see the way in which she struggled to get there and the way in which her life was obliterated by this story. And I do wish that we had more of that with Ginny, that we got to see the negotiation of this terrible thing and, and her struggle to become the hyper-confident woman who she later is because I don't want Ginny to be the like, oh, this terrible thing happened, but then she triumphed and then she's great. Yeah. And how great is that for us to read? Absolutely. I think maybe part of what I'm blessing her for is the time that she was gone Mm. and the the fact that like we don't know what she went through, right? I'm guessing there was a lot of crying on Molly's lap. I'm guessing there were a lot of moments of despair, right? Like, I'm guessing that there was a lot of pain. And so I would imagine that a lot of our listeners might be in those despair moments before the sort of like Phoenix, you know, reemerging moments that we see these people for. And so, yeah, I think that's right. I can't imagine how much pain she was in, right? And part of the reason that we know she was absent, exactly to your point, you know, it's from Harry's point of view, she was probably avoiding Harry. She was probably avoiding him for being embarrassed, for being so in love with him, for being embarrassed, for being rescued by him, for being at her most vulnerable in front of him, right? Like, I understand why she has disappeared from Harry and how awful it is that after one of the most painful incidents in your life, you then feel like you have to disappear. That's so lovely to picture Ginny crying in Molly's lap. I love you conjuring that for me. Specifically, that helps me because I think um, the great bane of Ginny's existence throughout the books is that she's the youngest and she's the only girl. And I think she often feels patronized and like she's not included in the circle. And I think an interesting way to reread that is like Molly almost lost her. Like there was a threat on her life as a child And they're so protective of her later in the books because the reality of losing her was so real that they're trying to keep her safe in those following books. Yeah. I mean, Molly definitely like the greatest line in the whole series, right? Not my daughter, you bitch. Like that line is earned for Molly. Like she has almost been taken from her once before. And I think that there's this sense of, like, Fred dies. Percy has been taken away from her for a long period of time. And for Molly, there's this, like, last straw of, like, but not my daughter. And I feel that, right? Like, as the only girl in a family of multiple boys, this, like, special kinship between my mother and I. Yeah, and I think Ginny is so brave and she fights so hard against that narrative of herself. Like, she isn't supposed to be fighting in the final war. She's underage. She's supposed to be in the room of requirement. But she she leaves. She leaves to go fight. And she's always taking that brave step out to be at the forefront, to recreate the DA when Harry has left. 
her wanting to be this big, strong person as a phoenix, as you say, like out of the fire of being so victimized in the past is beautiful. And Molly saying like, no, you are my daughter. I just want you to be safe is so beautiful. And like those things in conversation with one another is a tug and pull and is also like an incredible testament to the women in this book and their power to fight and to protect and to try and keep everyone safe. Yeah, I I really appreciate because I did. I came in to bless Ginny for the lucky you moment. But I think that based on our conversation, I'm shifting. I want to bless her for the books that we don't hear about her. Ginny had to go through so much healing in order for her to reemerge the way that she does and be able to say to the boy who in book two, we talked about it. It's like the most embarrassing thing that ever happened, right? Like she just wakes up one morning and the boy she's in love with is in her kitchen. She can't even talk. And then later to be able to look at him and be like, lucky you. Between those two moments, she gets kidnapped and assaulted by Voldemort and then is silent. I just... That silence was not quiet. Yeah. I mean, everything we see out of that is productive, right? Like she goes from wanting to be a part of the trio to like abandoning them to have her other friends at Hogwarts. Um, So we know that she's building friendships. Yeah. We know that she's identifying and listening to some of the weaker, smaller characters in the text. Yeah. She goes to the Yule Ball with Neville. Yeah. She encourages the trio and Neville to sit in the car with Luna Lovegood and says she's not so bad. She's just a little weird. And like every moment that someone tries to laugh at Luna, she's there to like push forward and be kind and be a friend to her. She's just like the ideal of the popular girl, right? Like we have this concept of the popular girl as being mean and egotistical and vain and Ginny is so kind yeah and so insightful and inclusive and so beloved yeah she is both like this fantasy for us of what it can be to come out of trauma but also I think what you're pointing to the silence is a gesture towards the to how it isn't just a fantasy, how you can't just go from trauma right into being a charming, wonderful, whole, popular woman. That, like, there is a period of darkness right. in the middle of that. One of the things I would say that your amazing analysis just pointed to to me is that to some extent, Ginny is the perfect victim, which is something that I am sort of excited that we as a culture are getting away from, right? That the district attorney of Chicago, you know, just recently did a press conference about going after um, R. Kelly and asking for victims of R. Kelly to step forward, in which she said, we are no longer looking for the perfect victim. Proving a criminal case against R. Kelly does not mean that you have to, you know, have some sort of like sterling record and be totally innocent You know, like these situations are complicated. And part of the reason that women have been afraid of coming forward in situations like Ginny's is that, oh, but I had a crush on him, too. I said yes to the date, but not to whatever happened after. I had had too many beers. As if that somehow makes you complicit in your own crime. 
And I'm so excited that we are moving away from that narrative and saying that you don't have to be an, you know, a blonde, white angel, six-year-old who was taken from your bed in order to be a victim worth listening to and a victim worth being treated with dignity. And, you know, and Ginny is. She's the perfect victim. Well, I think, though, I think maybe she's not because I think when we imagine our victims, we want them to be ruined, right? For Mm -hmm. them, for their whole lives to be torn apart by this thing that's happened to them. Yeah. For them to have lost all of their opportunities that were in front of them. Yeah. And, like, good for Ginny that she didn't. Yeah. That, like, both this happened to her and it sucked. And, like, we wish this never happened to her and... She is incredible and she is a leader and she has pulled her life together in this miraculous way. And that doesn't mean it didn't happen to her, but she was able to do it. Well, and she's going to remind you, like, she hasn't forgotten about it, right? When Harry says, I forgot, she says, lucky you, right, that you get to forget. I don't ever get to forget. And I think that that is right, that that is one way that, again, she is an amazing example for us, that you don't have to be ruined in order for what happened to you to be awful and to stay with you. Yes. Well, thank you so much for blessing Jenny with me. Oh my gosh, thank you for bringing Jenny to me to bless. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Redfin. Let's say for some reason you can't get back to Grimmauld Place, so you need to find a new home. If you're like me, you would go to Redfin. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations. So finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. If you see something you like, just book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put toward your next home. They even have a function where Trelawney will tell you whether or not she can see you in this house. Redfin. It's how Molly found the burrow. Download the Redfin app to get started. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Me Undies. I have lots of kinds of underwear in my drawer, but I have to tell you that my favorite kind of underwear is Me Undies. I love them so much, and Colette, my wife, is so jealous of them that when Mother's Day came up this year and she wanted a variety of different gifts for Mother's Day, one of the things she wanted was some Me Undies underwear and also their lounge pants. I have a pair of Me Undies lounge pants, and Colette deserves a super soft, super comfortable pair of Me Undies lounge pants. There are styles for everyone from all black classics to fun, expressive prints, and they come in sizes extra small to 4XL, guaranteeing a flattering cut for everybody. And like I said already, they have unmatched comfort. Their signature fabric is as soft as a warm hug from your favorite sweater. It's also breathable, stretchy, and oh so comfy, making it ideal for all day wear. 
MeUndies are also responsibly sourced. They use sustainably sourced materials and work with partners that care for their workers. Get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at MeUndies.com slash HPST. That's MeUndies.com slash HPST for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies. Comfort from the outside in. Do you have a game for us? Boy, do I have a game. Yes. I thought I'd bring us a little bit of a silly game because I knew that we were going to maybe be talking about a heavy subject. Great. Ginny would approve. Ginny loves silliness to break tension. So true. And this game isn't even that educational. So I'm really breaking my mold of games that I'm bringing to you. (laughs) Okay. I'll be the judge. I'm not forcing you to learn anything about the history of feminism in America. (laughs) Well, that's too bad. What I am forcing you to do is examine some stereotypes that you have about Younger siblings. Oh, boy, do I ever. I'm a middle sibling. So we're going to play a game where I give you a famous group, a famous trio, a famous quartet. And I'm going to ask you, which of these people is the youngest? Great. I'm going to be so good at this. Well, we'll see. Yeah. The first group I'm bringing to you, the Beatles. Which of the Beatles do you think is the youngest? Okay. So the least impressive would be the youngest. Which is? Ringo. Wrong. Oh, the most impressive is the youngest. It's John. Also wrong. Is it George? It's George. George is my favorite. Really? Should I? Is that how I should guess the rest of them? Should I just tell you my favorite? I think that actually might work for you (laughs) looking at my list. Oh, really? Okay, great. George is my favorite. What do you like about George? He wrote Here Comes the Sun, which is my favorite Beatles song. Yeah, that's true. I was going to tell you that as a piece of trivia, but you already knew it. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's not just one of my favorite Beatles songs. It is one of my all-time favorite songs. All right. Let's take another try at this. See if you can do better. Okay. How about the Marx Brothers? Do you know who the Marx Brothers are? Should we explain for the audience? I know you know who the Marx Brothers are. I was like, as a Jew from Los Angeles, I find that question offensive. The Marx Brothers are one of the greatest comedy families families of all time. They did Duck Soup. Yeah, it's kind of vaudeville-esque. A little bit late vaudeville. One of the first times my parents let me leave the house by myself was to walk to our local revival theater and see a Marx Brothers double feature. That's the most Ariana story I've ever heard. Which Marx Brother do you think is the youngest? Harpo is the best, so I think it's Harpo. That's also wrong. No! I love Harpo. Sad clown. What is it about Harpo that makes you think he's the youngest? Just that he's the best? Well, yeah. You said that you thought my favorites would... (laughs) You just have the wrong favorite. Is Groucho your favorite? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love Groucho. It's kind of also a trick question because Zeppo is technically the youngest. (laughs) But who cares about Zeppo? (laughs) Um, Can I tell everybody my favorite Groucho Marx quote? Go for it. It includes my two favorite things, books and dogs. Outside of a dog, a book is a man's best friend. Inside of a dog, it's too dark to read. That's why he's my favorite. <laughs> so, so wise. Most of my high school career was just pretending that Groucho Marx quotes were my own. <laughs> really? <laughs> Recently, I saw an elephant in my pajamas. How he got into my pajamas, pajamas I'll, I'll never know. know. <laughs> Groucho's great. But Zeppa was the youngest. Okay, so sometimes it's my favorite and sometimes it's the most inconsequential. Ooh. Interesting. All right, here's one for you. Yeah. 
You love Grey's Anatomy. I do so much. We're going to do a Grey's Anatomy as a sacred text show whenever we have 400 years to do it. So I tried to look up who the youngest on Grey's Anatomy is. And, you know, the thing about TV is that they have a lot of writers and a lot of seasons and no one can get dates straight. Yes, that's true. (laughs) So what I can tell you is the youngest actor in the first season of Grey's Anatomy. So we're talking about the youngest between Izzy, George, Alex, Meredith, and Christina. I've never seen the show, but that sounds right. And we're talking about which of those actors is the youngest. Yes. And you said it's my favorite. This one I I can't tell you because, again, I've never seen the show. Well, let's just, I want to talk about Sandra Oh. So let's say it's Sandra Oh. Is she the youngest? The only thing that makes you think it's Sandra Oh is that she's your favorite. (laughs) Yes. I feel like we've destroyed the premise <laughs> of this of game. game. Okay, so youngest sibling. So I, I, ha- I happen to know that Ellen Pompeo, who plays Meredith, is much older than she looks. So I know it's not her. George has a real baby face, so I think he might be the youngest. The right answer is Catherine Heigl, who I believe plays someone named Izzy. That is true. Whoa. She is, in fact, like six years younger than the rest of her cast. She was a wee lass. Yeah. Does that surprise you? What's the point of this game? (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. I don't know if that surprises me. She quit first. So she was the most immature of the actors. (laughs) That's some kind of logic. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. My last one. Yeah. Scooby-Doo gang. (laughs) Oh. So it's Velma. Well, it's Scooby. Uh Uh-huh. And it's Shaggy. Uh Uh-huh. And it's Velma. Uh-huh. And it's Daphne. And then there's Fred. You know, I'm going to say that Shaggy looks like the most stunted. So he's actually the oldest. That is correct. <laughs> yes. And we're saying Scooby's not the youngest because we're counting dog ears. Right. So he, I think Scooby's supposed to be like seven years old. So he's actually 49. Right. So he's an old pup. So handsome. Loves Scooby. Velma and Daphne... Both just seem so mature. I'm going with Fred. It actually is Velma. Velma is the youngest. She's like precocious. Oh, good for her. I know. Velma is the Ginny of that story. I mean, Scooby-Doo is a sacred text. Ooh. What's the Scooby-Doo song? Scooby-Dooby-Doo, where are you? As a sacred text, yeah. Well... Thank you for playing this game. Yeah, it was a great game. Thank you for making it up. You're welcome. I'll talk to you in two weeks where it'll be my turn to bless. You can hear that episode on Patreon. This episode of The Women of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text was produced by Not Sorry Productions. Our music is by Nick Bull. Ariana Martinez had this week off. Good work, Ariana Martinez. I'm sure they're doing great whatever they're doing out there. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Redfin. Let's say for some reason, you can't get back to Grimmauld Place, so you need to find a new home. If you're like me, you would go to Redfin. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations, so finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. If you see something you like, just book a tour straight from the app. 
And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put toward your next home. They even have a function where Trelawney will tell you whether or not she can see you in this house. Redfin. It's how Molly found the burrow. Download the Redfin app to get started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.